0: This week on The Sport Blokes.
1: On this week's show, the NBA Conference Finals are here, sheer brutality in the US Open, golf, who's the man in the hazmat suit, and the finals are set in the soon-to-be Queensland Football League.
0: Let's do it. All right, Stewie, as we do at the top every week, what caught your attention? what you miss
1: well, what caught my attention, I was watching a YouTube clip of some of the best goals scored by celebrities in charity soccer games and I, I saw a ripper of a goal scored by Usain Bolt but what actually caught my attention wasn't the goal itself but as he was running to the corner post, I noticed that the number on the back of his jersey was 9.58 which is an obvious reference to his 100 metre world time. record that he set in yes. 2009. Look, I'm a big fan of guys wearing numbers for special reasons. I'm not entirely sure this isn't a tad narcissistic. Oh but yeah, no, it's
0: more than a tad. Yeah, but
1: but it's, you know, still kind of cool so that was kind of what caught that my attention cool. and, much- and of
0: course he tried to play in the A-League at one stage he, he did. fancied yeah, himself he's
1: as a-, a pretty decent soccer player I don't think he got the right opportunity there I think it was with the Mariners well I think so.
0: I think he wanted way more money than they were prepared to play a bike who true you know
1: who could run very fast yeah but maybe not and Yeah, probably would have been useful anywho
0: so what caught your attention though well, a couple of things for me this week, Shui. I guess in these difficult times, I wanted to focus on a couple of nice things. You know, there's enough bad in the world at the moment. So I have a couple of really nice stories involving sport. The first of them is Maya Moore. Now, Maya Moore got married and a uh, U.S. basketball player, Maya Moore, four-time WNBA champion, 2013 finals MVP, 2014 uh, season MVP. The accolades go on and on. It's a It's a very long and impressive list. And normally, you know, normally a marriage wouldn't be of note. But the reason this one's of note is that she actually has, has given away a couple of years of her prime to help get a guy out of prison. And it just so happens that now they've got married. They've fallen in love. So she met this guy, Jonathan Irons, in 1998 through a prison ministry program. And at that stage, he'd just been sentenced. Uh, I have he'd just started serving a 50-year sentence in prison for burglary and assault charges. And so she's, for a, quite a long time now, she's been involved in this program to help exonerate him, to the point where in the last couple of years, she's actually taken time off, out, as I say, out of her prime, to help get this guy out of prison, which she did successfully. I think he was there for 22 years or something. It was a bloody long time. So, um, wrongly convicted again. So, so that's a really nice story. And then the other one... So,
1: so she got him off.
0: <laughs> well... Why are you laughing? I, I didn't read anything about what, what the... About the wedding night, uh, surely, But Oh uh,
1: my goodness, what, what, a, <laughs> what an unfortunate gap. <laughs> uh,
0: but then the other one is, is another really nice heartwarming story. So Diego Mentriga in the Santander Triathlon this year showed incredible sportsmanship to one of his fellow competitors, James Teagle. Now, what happened was, Teagle was actually ahead of Diego, but took a wrong turn, so he didn't go the right way to get to the finish line. And Diego's realized that, oh, actually, he's gone the wrong way. Rather than being an opportunist and, and passing the finish line, he's actually held back and waited for Teagle to pass him first, and then and then gone through himself.
1: Oh, um, I'm on the fence about that. I don't know if that's being opportunistic at all. I just like if the guy goes the wrong way, that's it's on him to know the course.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't yeah, it?
1: That's, I, that's a very interesting one. I don't know moment.
0: if I would do it, but it's it's a nice story again in these hard times, you know. Yeah, um, like
1: I've seen ones where people have been running these ultra marathons and they've stopped to help someone across the finish line who's basically just about dead because they've been running that that hard. But yeah, taking a wrong turn. Well, I'm, how's I'm this? not sure about that.
0: How's this? So the fraction of the second difference between them meant that uh, Mentriga missed out on a podium spot. It put Teagle into third. So yeah. his good act even meant that he didn't get a spot on the podium.
1: He should be knighted for that.
0: So there you go. So that, there's, that's what caught my attention. <laughs> what did you miss, mate?
1: Well, I actually didn't get to see any of the opener of the Lakers' Nuggets, sadly. I mean, it wasn't an amazing game compared to some of the great stuff we've had in recent weeks, but... The finals are going to be over before we know it, and I want to cherish as much of it as I possibly yes, can. Yes, so. yes. Well, yeah. I did see that one, luckily, so mm.
0: we will definitely get to that very soon. Well, then what did you miss? Uh, well, in the end, I did miss the uh, claremont south Freo game. Unfortunately, we, we didn't get out there. The day escaped us a little bit, and my my partner was not feeling 100% as well, so we took that one off. But now the Tigers are into the grand final, so I might go along to that mm. in a few weeks.
1: Why not?
0: Let's get into the news roundup, shall we?
1: Yeah, we'll start off with some Soccer World Cup. Now usually we would put the soccer in with the football codes, but we kind of wanted to to keep this one separate because it, it raises a very interesting issue. So, after the excitement a little while back, we spoke in a previous episode about how Australia and New Zealand have won the bid for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. We've had an absolute disgrace from Nike in the FFA. So, the Matildas unveiled their beautiful new home and away kits. Only to reveal that the away kits won't be available in women's sizes until about 2022.
0: Outrageous. Now, yeah, this is for the women's soccer. For the women's team, exactly. Yeah, soccer World Cup.
1: So, uh, how in this day and age can they not put in an urgent run for these to be produced in the next couple of months?
0: I'm sure, there's a sweatshop somewhere that. But there's got
1: to be, yeah. surely. So, ABC Grandstand Digital reporter Damien Peck came up with an absolute cracker of a tweet saying So, what will the Matilda's players wear? Men's kits? Mm. Mm. it's it's just unfortunate I guess
0: we'd be home most of the time unless we were playing in New Zealand
1: yeah I mean I guess but
0: I, it's still a big fuck up isn't it It really
1: is yeah. and unfortunately the sort of thing that sets the gender equality back yeah, again yeah yeah not good it's basically saying that the women's game isn't as important as the men's when in actual fact the Matilda's generally fair better than the soccer room oh anyway. absolutely Sam Kerr I think they're what seventh yeah I think we're seventh in the world in the women's so yeah. I don't know what the men's are but it would be nowhere near that so yeah no no um, no
0: absolutely Stuart McSwain has, uh, I think that's how you say it, scored bronze in the 3,000 metres at the Wanda Diamond League, beating a 14-year record held by Craig Mottram. Mm, the,
1: brother of, the brother of Neil Mottram? I believe so, yes, who
0: played for the Wildcats and probably uh, at least Melbourne. One other team. Melbourne, was it? Yeah. I... Maybe South Dragons, but yeah, yep. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to... Probably thinking of Matty Burstyn, actually. Yeah, I probably am, actually. <laughs> no, I think I am. I think he played for South. I think you might be right about, about Neil. Anyway, yeah. anyway, moving well on. Done. <laughs> moving on. He, he did well.
1: So moving on to the golf, we've got a bit to talk about in the golf. Actually, the U.S. Open finished overnight at the Winged Foot Golf Club. American Bryson DeChambeau has taken out the title at six under par. He was actually the only player to finish below par for the entire tournament mm. after trailing Matt Wolfe by two shots entering the final round and also the only player with a below par fourth round
0: brute strength worked eh?
1: yeah it really did so I want to talk about a couple of things firstly the guy who was the runner up Matthew Wolf. one of the things that's always spoken about is his unusual golf swing yes what are your thoughts on it
0: well it's like a cross between a curtsy and Josh Kennedy running up for golf
1: <laughs> it is a bit isn't it that real weird knee hitch that, <laughs> yeah. he, that he does yeah Bow to your partner and do si do. That's right. That. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, very, very weird. It's it's amazing for me how vertical he takes his driver back. So I'm I play a fair bit of golf, and I'm always being told that when you're hitting your driver, you really need to bring it sort of in a round motion as opposed to up and down. And and it's really unusual to see a guy make such good contact. You know, I
0: guess it works for him, eh? It's like Steve Smith's uh, unconventional batting stance. This and is very, very true. Some blokes <laughs> just break
1: convention. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, secondly, Kiwi Danny Lee actually withdrew from the tournament at the end of his round on Saturday after a six putt oh, from yes. four feet. Yes. Now we had a look at this before we yes, started. Recording. That made me
0: feel good about my mini golf game. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you don't play much golf, but surely no, mini surely, golf
0: from the driving range is about the extent for me.
1: But surely, from four feet away, you could do better than six.
0: Well, I tell you what. After I screwed up my first tap in, I wouldn't try another tap in. I'd be trying to line it up properly.
1: Yeah, that was just a real brain. It was a snap. train wreck. That really was. It was a bloody train wreck. And i tell you what, the, the greens were so ridiculously hard to read there. I, I saw a lot of videos before the tournament started of players just dropping a ball at a point somewhere in the middle of the green and it just rolling and just yeah, taking right. off and, and running there. Oh, I saw one where Zach Johnson ended up hitting the ball about 10 to 15 feet past the hole, wow. and it stopped on a dime, rolled straight back the way it came, straight into the cup. You're kidding. No. No. <laughs> It it was ridiculous. But then Rory Sabatini tried to do the same thing and ended up leaving his ball further away from the hole than he started. So it was amazing how difficult those greens were. and I think a lot of players won't be too happy. Well, with only one
0: bloke under par... That's, uh, yeah, it's a
1: pretty good sign.
0: Yeah. It tells you everything you need to know.
1: True. But now the big talking point for the tournament was American Patrick Reed involved in a fresh cheating scandal. Oh, So Reed was famously outed at last year's Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas for grounding his club behind the ball in a bunker, which is a big no no. Even a weekend hacker like me knows that's against the rules. But this time, on the ninth hole during the third round, he was seen pushing the club down into the fringe to kind of flatten it out a little Ooh. bit to give himself yeah to flatten
0: was, the curve, so to speak.
1: Well, well, not to flatten the fringe, but I mean, it is it, the phrase of twenty twenty. It is, it is true. Sorry, I
0: couldn't help myself. No, that's it. okay. But he's,
1: yeah, so he's obviously trying to give himself a little bit better look at, at a chip from the green side, and yeah, against the rules again, he's his penalty for grounding a club in the bunker was two strokes. Do you think two strokes would have been fair for that?
0: Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm a big enough fan to to really make a educated comment on rules here. But uh, it but, seems I mean, like that it's commensurate. They're the,
1: they're the same sort of thing in terms. It's yeah, 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 in yeah. terms of trying to gain an advantage by. Yeah, no, that makes utilizing sense. Utilizing a club. I, yep. I don't know. I just think. Yeah, I just think this is one of these things that's going to follow him around for the rest of his life. Mm. That, that he's going to be known as the guy that has cheated more than yeah, once.
0: Yeah, that sort of label does
1: tend to stick. I so say once a cheater, always a cheater. So. Mm. Mm.
0: Ash Barty's keeping herself busy after deciding to opt out of the uh, French Open title. Now, she would have been defending Roland Garros, so the uh, she kind of vacated championship there as far as defending is concerned. But she won her Women's Club Championship at the Brookwater Golf Club. So you can add yet another sport to her resume. <sighs> Apparently, Tiger Woods has said how good her swing is too. So she's had like some pretty good uh, compliments from people in high places.
1: So she's won a golf tournament, she's won a tennis tournament, and she's... Did, I don't know? Did she, she, played win, in the did she win the women's? Oh,
0: I don't know. She played for the Brisbane Heat. I don't. I can't remember where they finished. But still. But she's bloody good.
1: She is. Yeah. She's the sort of chick that would probably have multiple hole in ones and just. Oh
0: be... well, some people are just gifted, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good for her though. She's a. She is one of the greatest Aussies. Absolutely. Going around, yeah. So. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. All time already. Mm. Definitely. And then finally, kind of sticking with tennis. Now, we'll pay it a bit more attention next week after the Italian Open has wrapped up, but there is some news. Naomi Osaka uh, has done a hammy, so she's pulled out of the French Open, as has Serena Williams, who's done an Achilles.
1: Well, I suppose that's probably good news for Ash Barty then, seeing as she's not playing. It looks like Simona Hallett's probably the only one that can catch her for world number one at this stage. There you go. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week comes from the former Soviet Republic of Georgia where the vice president of the Georgian Rugby Union was arrested after shooting a player in the leg.
0: Yeah.
1: Mero Basilia was charged with the illegal purchase, possession and carrying of a firearm and for intentionally lightly wounding a person after shooting Ramaz Karazishvili in the leg.
0: Well, we've all liked to lightly wound uh, one of our sporting players in one way or another when they've lost a big game for us sure. <laughs> With a gun? No, <laughs> well, not with a gun. Jeez. Not with I'll, a gun. I'll tell you what,
1: I wouldn't call being shot in the leg being lightly wounded. No, yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds like propaganda.
1: So Basilia could be jailed for up to three years while Karizashvili will be just fine, barring some kind of infection causing sepsis. Mm. There have been a number of incidents of players causing Brazilian issues. Brazilian soccer? Well, there's been t- yeah, tons in the soccer. Yeah. Look, we know that we're basketball fans. That's our, our wheelhouse. So there's a couple I wanted to talk about from the NBA. Go on. So famously, Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittinson had a fight involving guns, which was traced to a card game on a team plane, where Arenas said it was it was about calling his bluff after Crittinson lost on a hand won by JaVale McGee. So Javaris apparently said to JaVale, so you're just going to let me lose my money like that? You ain't going to be a real bitch and give me a chance to get my money back. Arenas responded, Javaris, I will burn your car while you're in it. <laughs> Then Jeez. we'll find an extinguisher to help your ass out. And Crittenton <laughs> says, well, I'll just shoot you then. To which Arena responded, man, I'll bring you the guns to shoot me. Two days later, it all went down. Up. Yeah, it yeah. went down. Yeah, it went down to the locker room. Yep. Hey, motherfucker, come pick one, Arena said, as he told Crittenton. <sighs> and he pointed the four unloaded guns that he'd just laid down. I'm going to shoot your ass with one of these. But then Crittenton pulled out a loaded gun before Karon Butler actually managed to calm them down. Jeez. Crittenton's now serving 23 years for voluntary manslaughter, though, which shows he probably would have pulled the trigger. Wow. The other one that I actually didn't realize, though, uh, had happened was when he was with the Indiana Pacers, Stephen Jackson allegedly pulled a gun out during a night out with some teammates. So he got into an early morning fight outside a strip club in Indianapolis and fired at least five shots in the air. So Jackson and two of his teammates had their guns seized by police, but Jackson was the only player charged and pleaded not guilty to charges of battery, disorderly conduct and felony criminal recklessness. A plea lessened his felonies to misdemeanours and he was charged five thousand dollars, sentenced to a hundred hours of community service, and suspended for seven games. What
0: year was that? Seven games. Yeah. Well if America
1: and Gun. If he's with Indiana it would have been what, two thousand seven ish. I'm
0: trying to see where it's in relation to Malice in the Palace, you know.
1: And the last one as well that we have to talk about, the Jason Williams incident. So, oh, yeah. So he was holding a shotgun while showing people around his 30,000 square foot home when it went off. Accidentally shot a butler or something. Killed Costas Christofi, the limo driver. The limo driver. And he served He served just over two years for aggravated assault in a, DUI, a DWI. Wow. So for throwing away your life to shoot someone in the leg, all I can say is, Shisklani Giorgio Chieti. Bloody hell. Hopefully that's what it means. <laughs> Bloody hell. Now, Shui, I wanted to quickly... Now, we've already
0: named this one uh, Chokers and Jokers, and if that's not obvious already, it will become apparent throughout the course of of the episode. And we'll bookend with some choking performances in sport. But I wanted to... I've I've heard a few different... So I heard Mike and Tony both on PTI. I heard Bill Simmons. I heard Ryan Rossillo. I've heard several people say in sports media recently that they don't like the idea of the choke and labelling people chokers or teams chokers, and it's a great sports pastime, isn't it?
1: Well, there's is. nothing wrong
0: with labelling someone a choker, is
1: there? I mean, what's our first thought when you think of choker in sport? Oh. The South African cricket team. Well, yeah, okay. I, I, there's so you, many chokers. I was going to say, you're probably going in a different direction. Yeah, but, yeah. this But, I, yeah, but one gone. of the things that it takes me back to the, the World Cup in 99, where I think all they needed was a couple of runs off the last, or one run off the last couple of balls, and yes. l- Lars Klusner destroying us. Yes. And they managed to choke that away. They did the same in the 2007 they they were constantly the team that Aussies love to joke about being chokers. Yep,
0: yep, yep. And and, and look, counts. for the same token, when my team screws up, I will say we choked. Hmm. So it's really interesting to see people or hear people in the media um, not like the label or the term.
1: Well, especially when you consider how many of those guys will talk about this person didn't show up in a key moment or whatever else. I mean, isn't that just saying they choked? Yeah. Um, so... They don't want to say the word choke, but they're happy to talk about somebody's performance when they did. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, you'll definitely hear the label chokers on this show, and we'll continue. So let's start. So we're going to flip the script a little bit. I know when we we normally start with headlines before we get into games, but we've got to start with the game that is the headline. Game 7, Clippers and Nuggets. Nuggets 104, defeating the Clippers 89 The Nuggets trailed by as many as 13 points in the third quarter, but turned it around to lead by as many as 20 in a complete capitulation by the Clippers. Murray had 40 points. Jokic had maybe one of the best 16-point games you'll ever see in playoff history with 22 rebounds, a uh, team record, 13 assists, 3 blocks and 2 steals. And by the way, his teammates missed some shots that they probably should have made too. So it very could have been 15 plus assists. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined for two of eighteen in the second half, which of course led many to ask, "Did the Clippers choke?"
1: They did. Yes, I they mean, did. There's there's no way around it. it. It was an absolute shocker. From three one down, for Denver to come back against arguably the best team in basketball. Yeah,
0: so I, I picked them as my championship team for a couple of reasons. One, I don't like to pick the easy pick sometimes, and maybe I need to revise that. You know, every now and then. So I, I like, oh, yeah. I think in the back of my mind, I did feel like the Lakers probably were the favourites. But defense wins championships. Clippers are an excellent defensive team. So that's why I picked them. Mm. But they were up 3-1. And they dropped leads in game six and seven. Sizable leads. Five, six and seven. 5 You're right. It was like a double, 12 point, Double yeah. digits in five, yep. six and seven. So. so they let Denver come back from 3-1 in back-to-back series. And look, you got to give Denver some credit. Um, they played magnificently well. Murray is having an incredible playoff series. Jokic had a really great series. You'd say probably Murray took the chocolates in round one. Mm. Jokic probably in round two, but they've complimented each other. beautifully, Spectacularly Just well. Beautifully. Um, so, you know, we've got to give kudos to the, the nuggets and I've been a massive fan of theirs for a while. And I was actually beginning to doubt myself at the beginning of the playoffs. A lot of people had the jazz beating them. A lot of people gave them no chance at all. Um, but they're so deep. And Jeremy Grant was such a good pickup. And, and I think, you know, his defense has really been been important as well so far and will continue to be. Um, we'll
1: talk a little bit more about him in the Lakers series, though, because I, I do have some things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, of course, about
0: but, of course.
1: But I guess... Talking about the, the Nuggets, first of all, yeah. I mean, the first team to rally from 3-1 down in two series in the same postseason and just the third across all U.S. major pro sports. So you got the 1985 Kansas City Royals and the 2003 Baseball. Minnesota Wild. In the ice hockey. So, yeah, it, it's also the 50th season the Clippers have, have had without a single conference finals appearance. The yeah,
0: Clippers- so let's let's talk about the Clippers curse. So they fell to 0-8 all-time in games where they could have clinched a trip to the mm-hmm. conference finals. So they're shit house in closeout games as you say they've now not even made the conference finals in their entire 50 year history yep. and i've got some comparison here just for you know a bit of a yardstick the celtics have made the eastern conference finals 9 times since 2002 no. now that's better than most so well, that's one in every 2 years and uh, yeah you know that and that's one of the kind of gold standard organizations in the competition granted but for the Clippers to not even have made one over in their entire insane.
1: Well, it's actually the most out of any current NBA, NFL, NHL, or Major League Baseball franchise. So it's it's nuts. I, I will just say this, this. I think this whole series pivots on two things. So firstly, the Jamal Murray-Nikola Jokic uh, pick and roll. The Clippers could not defend this. Jokic set massive screens up high. Murray's defender couldn't get around it, which meant Jokic's man had to help. Jokic rolls to the key, and he's basically picking and choosing whether he's shooting a little floater or he's passing out to wide-open shooters.
0: It was just... Well, and that's the the other thing. thing. They were doubling him too much, and you're kind of playing into his hands when you double him, because he's...
1: Far and away the best passing. Over seven
0: foot, so he can pass over nearly everyone, over or around nearly everyone. And, yeah, there's going to be an open guy, you know, and just in the first quarter, he had some beautiful... He had... A beautiful um, outlet pass. He had a lovely pass out of a double, and he had a lovely kind of like dipsy-doodle layup turn into pass. So he was just killing them, absolutely destroying them with the passing game, and yet they kept doubling him.
1: Yep. Now the second thing, Denver used a fair bit of zone in this, and when the Clippers went cold, they failed to adapt. The Clippers were 9 of 35 from deep in Game 7, 2 of 7 from Leonard, 2 of 11 from Paul George.
0: We've got to talk about Paul George.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, th- honestly, that three, before we get into yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, yeah. The yep. three that he took from the corner that hit the side of the backboard.
0: Oh, yeah, that corner three, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the moment that I knew the Clippers would yeah, Oh, yeah, be- yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, they yeah. were already
1: struggling, but that was the moment yeah. where I'm like, they're done.
0: It was It was really a tale of two halves in some ways. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was terrible. So, Paul George, ninth career playoff game shooting 25% or worse. Felt, the like, man- felt like
1: most of them were with OKC, unfortunately. The man
0: nicknamed Playoff P, and by the way, self-nicknamed... If if you give yourself a nickname, it's it's not nearly as important. Um, the piece for pathetic. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh
1: dear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his numbers. That's the thing. His numbers look solid across his entire career in the playoffs, but he just he's not a winner. No. He's less than a career forty-two percent shooter in the playoffs. That dipped below forty in this postseason as well. If it weren't for the poor injury and Leonard carrying them against Dallas, I reckon they would have been the fifth year in a row that he's lost in the first round.
0: Mm. So, and how's this? I mean, they mortgaged their future to get him. Mm. So both Kawhi and him are only on two-year deals. They've just finished their first. Now, if next year doesn't go well for them, they could both bolt and the Clippers play off... Uh, you know, curse will continue. Because
1: they won't have a single draft pick. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Jeez. So if, and it's really interesting, like, granted, they didn't have a lot of time together. You know, the team didn't, the full team didn't get to play a lot of games together throughout the course of the season. And chemistry has been really clear in the bubble and the, re- the return, because we've seen the chemistry that the Heat have shown, for example, yep. which has meant that they've gone 10 and 2 so far in the playoffs. So a champion team will always beat a team of champions. Yes, the Clippers have great players, and you can look at their roster and say it's a better roster than Denver, but clearly Denver gel much better. They've most That core has been together longer. Obviously, you know, Grant and Michael Porter, they've added some pretty good pieces in the last year.
1: Well, um, I mean, a really good case in points, the 2004 championship where the Pistons beat the Lakers. Absolutely. That had O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, both of whom were pretty much in their prime. Yep, Gary Calm Payton. Carmelo, Gary Malone. Payton. Yep. And Devin and George.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah, well, Rick Fox probably was he still? On that? I
1: think he might have actually gone by then. Oh, might. Have, I don't know, but yeah, yeah probably mean. Vladimir Radmanovic and <laughs> and those sorts. But no, I mean that team was so heavily favoured. But you're right, that was so much more of a team with Detroit. No egos. Everyone just kind of got on with with what they did, and it's the same with with the Nuggets.
0: So it's really interesting. They're saying it wasn't a a championship or bust year. We've got together next year. So it's really interesting to see, you know, are they making excuses or are they...
1: Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, if you look at the way that this team's chemistry has gone... So I'll give you an example. In Game 7, there was a turnover from Paul George. Montrose Harrell goes up to speak to him and George just snaps at him. Montrose Harrell turns around and responds with, You're always right. Nobody can tell you nothing. Oh, wow. And then yeah. a few expletives thrown back. Geez, I missed that.
0: When was that? That was
1: in game seven. At what point? Oh, late in the game when yeah. it was pretty much over. Okay, I
0: might have. I, I must admit, I didn't see to the very end.
1: I think that says more to me about the chemistry of that team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Than anything else, yeah. you've got two guys who are the alpha males who want it to be known that they are. And I mean, this clearly tells you what everyone probably assumes that they are not guys that listen. Mm. So, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the fourth quarter as well, so. The the Clippers went 6 of 22, and I think they made probably like 4 of their last 5. So they were shooting abysmally. They were 0 from 11. So this is Leonard and George. Mm. a combined 0 for 11 with 3 turnovers.
0: Well, they were 2 for 18 in the second half. So yeah, so the 4th quarter they didn't even score. It's just brutal. Or from the field
1: anyway. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. It is. Just quickly as well, while we're talking about Montrezl Harrell, the 6th man of the year. (laughs) He had a plus minus rating of of negative 11.7 with him on the floor a negative 27.1 when he and Jokic were on the floor together but a plus 8.8 with him off the floor definitely the sixth man of the year well mm. yeah yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah
0: i know you feel aggrieved there you know plus or minus can be a bit yeah. a, a bit funny but apparently a lot of clippers fans were saying Zubac should have played more
1: oh 100% he should have. Um, but he was in foul trouble that was yeah. the problem uh,
0: well, yeah yeah he, he couldn't stay on the Jokic floor. was always going to be a mismatch for them but don't double him you're playing into his hands you know And then the other thing we've got to talk about is Doc Rivers, the coach of the Clippers. So he has the dubious honour of being the only coach to have lost on three separate occasions after being up 3-1. Orlando 2003 versus Detroit in the...
1: The the Tracy McGrady. That we mentioned mentioned a fortnight ago. Happy to get out of
0: the first round. I think it was a fortnight ago. We've previously mentioned. We have. The Clippers in 2015. Now, can I just talk about that? Against the Rockets, that that one. Yeah.
1: They were up 3-1 and had a 19-point lead late in the third quarter, and they lost basically to Corey Brewer and Josh Smith in that game. Hmm. That's how bad that one oh, was. Well past
0: his prime, Josh Smith on a yeah. second chance.
1: Who just started shooting threes like he was Steph Curry? It was insane. Yep. yep. So there, that that one is. I don't want to say a bigger choke than this, but oh, it's close. It's mm. it's a toss up between these two.
0: Well, the Clippers were a higher seed. I mean, Denver were a high seed too, but you know, but it, it gets worse. So he's also lost three series when up three two, and he's actually lost a number of game sevens at home. I mean, he's an excellent coach. He's a championship coach, but uh I mean,
1: yeah, this almost makes you look at it and say, "Well, is he as good a coach as everyone thinks?" Or, well, I remember or, in the early
0: days before the Celtics won that championship, Bill Simmons used to like he hated him. He well, would rag on him regularly in his well,
1: articles. That's it. Is he a guy that has just been successful because of the players he's had?
0: It's pretty pretty lucky to have Rondo, Pierce, Garnett, uh, and, 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 Ray and, Allen. and Ray Allen. Yeah, and yeah. Leon Poe. Yeah, well, of course, yeah,
1: and, and Tony Allen. Mm.
0: Mm, Glenn Davis Big baby
1: Yeah Yeah All of these guys mm. Eddie House
0: He had he had big baby in, With the Clippers too
1: Probably had Brian Scalabrini as well Probably So, yeah. so you know yeah. He had the GOAT Which yeah. is amazing So Can we Can we take some time now To talk about the good stuff The Nuggets
0: Well how's this So the Nuggets were minus 48 After their first four games Against Utah They're the only team To have ever been outscored By 40 in their first four games And advanced to the second round Let alone the conference finals Wow
1: that is, that so is the, an the amazing nuggets, stat.
0: There's been so many great stats this playoff. They have. Got, uh, but the f- Nuggets in particular are just incredible.
1: I've, I've got a few as well. So obviously, Jamal Murray's 40 was massive in Game 7. And he's been so efficient in these playoffs. Do you know he is very nearly averaging a 50-50-90 in these playoffs? Wow. If he makes his his first three-pointer tomorrow, he actually will be. Wow. Like he's—it's amazing. So, and obviously, yeah, we we spoke about Jokic having probably one of the most incredible sixteen-point games with his twenty-two boards and thirteen assists,
0: so, and three blocks and two steals. So, so since, he really padded the stat. He, he
1: really did, didn't he? But since tracking began in nineteen ninety-seven, it's the first time someone's had a triple double before three-quarter time of a game seven, mm. which I thought was really cool. It's also the most rebounds in a Game 7 since Charles Barkley had 23 on a bum knee in a one-point loss to Houston in 1995. Wow. So that was the famous Mario Ellie kiss of death Ah, game. Of
0: course, yes, yes.
1: And also a series that was won from 3-1 down.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mm. yep.
1: So actually a couple of random notes from that game as well because, you know me, I like tangents. Kevin Johnson actually had his career high of 46 points in that game to wow. go with 10 assists. He was 21 of 22 from the line. He had his first 21, unfortunately missed his last one, which would have put the Suns up one with 10 seconds left, and then into Mario Ellie. The other thing, though, was that Houston and Phoenix game, it sort of ended with them playing foul ball. Everyone, no one was willing to let Phoenix get a three-pointer up and, and so on and so forth. Danny Ainge decided down two with 2.1 seconds left. He was going to miss the second... And he slams it off the backboard. Violation. And he banked it in. Oh. <laughs> it's amazing how often that happens. Yeah, it does so like, happen a you, lot, you, doesn't you it? You probably remember the Manu Ginobili one against Portland, I think, yes. in 2017, where yes. he's, he's pegged it off the backboard and it's gone in. So I thought that was really crazy. Yeah.
0: You know, you've got to try and draw the front iron with those ones. Yeah,
1: you do. But the other thing, as well, though, for Denver, how epic has Nikola Jokic been in game sevens this season? So, oh, very good, yeah. So, 30 and 14 against Utah, and now this. Yep. It's easy to forget, though, he was the 41st pick. Oh, yeah. In the 2014 draft, behind 14 guys who aren't even in the league anymore. Wow.
0: And he's only like 24. And mm. Murray's only like 20 or 21. So, it's- the future is very bright for the yep. Nuggets. Very bright. And they're still playing.
1: And another little side note, because again, I love the side notes. That second round in that 2014 draft yielded some very good players. So aside from Jokic, you've got Joe Harris, Mm -hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeremy Grant, Dwight Powell, and Jordan Clarkson. Interesting. And one little end note for this series. How much of a dick move was that from Pat Beverly? Did you see that foul he took on Jamal Murray at the end? Oh yes! You just like freaking undercut him when you. Well, you're they're only-
0: dirty. They're dirty. They're <sighs> dirty players. Marcus Morris, he's been dirty. You know. But, they're either dirty or they're dickheads or they're both. Like,
1: but can we also acknowledge the amazing effort on Twitter from CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard? Oh, after the L- Lillard uh, talking about, oh, you know, do you, uh, Pat Beverly, do you want me to book you another? Another villain, Carbo, because I haven't <laughs> finalised my my booking yet. Well, Lemon
0: Pepper Lou can get back to his strip club now, too. Damn right. Yeah. Damn right. Now we we'll stick with the West? Yeah. So those Nuggets moved on to face the Lakers, who'd been waiting a little while after a fairly easy uh, second round against Houston. In Game 1, the Lakers 126 defeated the Nuggets 114. Anthony Davis, an absolute monster, with 37 and 10. Jokic got in really early foul trouble, which meant his 21 was actually pretty good effort in a game that started very entertaining 38-36 uh, in the first quarter, which Denver actually led. But, of course, the Lakers controlled the game pretty much from there. Game 2, Lakers 105 to defeated the Nuggets 103. Anthony Davis, huge again, scoring 31 and their last 10 points, including the game-winning three as time expired on the wing. And for the losers, Jokic had 30, including 12 straight of his own for the Nuggets, including to put them ahead late after they'd trailed by as much as 16. But the rest is history, and the Lakers are up 2-0.
1: This, yeah, wow. I mean, starting off with game two, all I want to say is at, at the moment is just wow. What an amazing game. I'll backtrack, obviously, to game one because obviously I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I still. Am well, in we watched amazing...
0: one each by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, I'm still in. Well, yeah, I didn't see much of game one. Oh, okay. One, but
0: okay.
1: there are a couple of things from game one, though, I will say, though. So 16 fouls in the second quarter on Denver.
0: Yep, tied for the most by any team in a quarter this season.
1: For 24 free throws. Yep. I mean, that probably won't happen again, but.
0: Well, this is my bugaboo. Look, I don't want to say it was a conspiracy.
1: Did someone say conspiracy? I'll slip into my trust no one shirt.
0: No, no, no. I don't want to say it's a conspiracy. (laughs) (sighs) I'll tell you what. Nothing pisses me off more than when the best team gets the best of the refs. It's like they've already got the talent. Do you really need to hand it on a silver platter to them? At least one of those four, but probably two of those four fouls that Jokic got early were bogus. He couldn't even set screens. Because he was in foul trouble, so it like they're lucky that they only lost by twelve. To be honest, like it was, it it ruined the game for me. It was it was a real shame. I've got to say, so that was really disappointing. And like you say, twenty four foul shots in a quarter is just bullshit.
1: Well, yeah, it's hard to do. But I'll tell
0: you what, it was really interesting. Dwight Howard was like Dennis Rodman, circa nineteen ninety six, in the NBA Finals against Seattle. Just grabbing rebounds was and... pushing Frank Bricowski out the chaos. way? Yeah. So, actually, I don't think he got a lot of rebounds, actually, now that I think about it. He got a lot of gimmies and dunks under the ring. Yeah. But it was what he did to Jokic. Clearly, his sole purpose is to go out and get Jokic in foul trouble. And it worked nearly too well, because I think a couple of them were bogus, as I say. Oh, And there's one, there's one that's really clear in my mind, where Howard blatantly pushed someone over, like almost kind of intentionally no-call, Jokic feather-touch foul. It's just shithouse. Pisses yep. me off. Uh, but the other interesting note from this uh, this game is Ragin' Rondo had nine assists to give him 1,025 in the playoffs, passing Michael Jordan for 10th all-time on the NBA career assist list. If you're interested, Jordan has 1,022.
1: I was interested. Mm. Oh, so you're you're, always, have, you're oh, always interested. Always interested in stats. All right, let's get to game two, because obviously this is the the big one. Now, I didn't get to see all of it. It was actually my first day at a new job today, so happy days for me. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, followed the script of the playoffs so far. The Lakers run out to a 16-point lead, look very comfortable, and then LeBron's getting to the hoop at will. AD's blocking shots left, right, and center, and then Denver all of a sudden just locks in on defense. They start chipping away at it. They start getting to the free-throw line. They're forcing the Lakers into jump shots. I think after that point, six of Denver's next seven field goals were inside of eight feet, so they started really attacking that room. I really actually wish I had a chance to watch this in full, but you know, I think Denver have actually found some matchups they can trouble the Lakers with. They're just not getting enough though, as I wanted to talk about. They're not getting enough from Jeremy Grant. It's seven points, zero rebounds today.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So you're starting to see Tory Craig eating to his minutes. Gary Harris, three points on six shots not good mm-hmm. enough. Paul millsap he had eight rebounds, but only six points. So
0: Millsap said he's been up and down this playoffs. He's had a couple of good games.
1: But yeah. yeah. It's, they're just not getting enough from these role players though for me, but like how good was that Jokic and, and Davis duel down the street. Oh, I look
0: forward to watching it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: One of the things that I thought was really cool though. So as you mentioned before, Davis hit that contested three for a, a game winner. You can actually see him mouthing the word Kobe. Yeah. As right, he went running right. down the court and they were wearing the black Kobe jersey. So I thought that was really cool. No one else actually scored in the last five minutes of the game aside from Jokic and Davis. Yeah, toe-to-toe. Totally, totally. I thought was nuts. Yeah. Now, for the Lakers, this was their first playoff buzzer beater since 2010 and their first three-point game winner since...
0: Ooh. Robert Ory beating the Kings in what? 2002 Western Conference. Oh, of course. 2002.
1: And that was after the Lakers were down 2-1 and trailing by 20 at quarter time in that game. So yeah, well, just... the refs screwed them in that one too. Though. Well, that series, definitely. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, isn't that the game where like Donahue's actually come out and said that was one of the compromised games
1: oh, th- most of them it's, were either, to be it's either
0: like so Tim Donahue the disgraced ref who was fixing games it's either it's either the Lakers Kings or the Lakers Portland in one of the in- oh the
1: Lakers now the Lakers Portland one was compromised game seven That is that the one okay? and I think game seven in this in the series as well that we just talked about the Sacramento one was uh, there was that blatant punch in the face, basically from Kobe Bryant on Mike Bibby mm. that went uncalled? Yeah, when it was a two point the game. The league likes the Lakers being in the finals. Yeah, I'll they you,
0: don't want a Denver, a Miami finals. They want a Lakers Celtics finals.
1: Yeah, well, that, that would be know? that would be ideal. Wouldn't
0: yeah, it? well, be, I'm going to keep my eyes on the refs in this series.
1: One other really, really amazingly funny thing that I saw, and it was a really simple thing. After the three pointer went down from from Davis today. There was a tweet from the Sacramento Kings official Twitter account that said, hurts, doesn't it, Denver? (laughs) Jeez. So this is them going back 18 years, and and they were so quick on the trigger.
0: And by the way, thanks for for giving me an in to once again say Robert Ory should be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, undoubtedly. Mm. He's, yeah. Maybe not first ballot, but he should be. No, 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 not first ballot.
0: But he should be. But he should be in as a winner. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we don't win that 05 finals against aforementioned Detroit without him.
1: No, nah, probably not.
0: Shall we head to the East? Now, it was a crazy day. So on the same day that uh, Game 7 of Clippers Nuggets was Game 1 of Heat Celtics, and actually that game was played first. Heat one seventeen defeating the Celtics, won 14 in overtime. The Heat overcame a 14-point deficit in the final quarter and had a good balance of scoring, with Dragic topping the list with 29. Tatum had 30 for the losers, but it was his last miss, which was the biggest story of the game. A huge block from Bam Adebayo, Prior to this, the Celtics were 156 one when leading by 12 or more going into the fourth quarter of a playoff game in the Shot Clock era. Uh, game 2, Heat 106, defeat of the Celtics 101. This time the Heat came back from 17 points, the most in their playoff history, on the back of a 37-17 third quarter, highlighted by BAM's 15 points on 7-8 of eight shooting. Miami had another great spread of scoring and Dragic led the way again with 25. Kemba finally showed up for the Celtics. He had 23 after having some... Pretty average or below par playoff outing so far. Then finally, game three, the Celtics got in the winner's circle, 117 defeating the Heat, 106. Gordon Hayward returned, but Marcus Smart stayed in his place in the starting lineup and scored 20 points, including nine of nine from the free throw line in the fourth. Brown had 26, Tatum 25, 14 and eight. Bam had 27 and 16 for the losers, but his team only shot 39 from the floor. After making big comebacks in games one and two, Miami never got closer than three in this one. You can't always play from behind.
1: There is so much to unpack in this. Oh, <laughs> so much! There really is. All right, let's work our way through it. So that block. Well, okay, yeah. So game one, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler was clutch. Let's talk about his oh, clutch yeah, play first. So yeah, first, first lay Well, he hits a three to send oh, it, yes, to, to basically too. give them a, a late lead, which yep. ultimately ended up going to overtime. Yep. On and away from the the play foul as well, which. Ugh. I hate those things. Yeah, I don't like him either. But you've got to call them, obviously. And then, as you mentioned, he had that really tough M1 layup in overtime. Yeah, it was crazy. Which which put him up too, yep. which led to the block from Adebayo. Now, Magic Johnson said on Twitter that it was the best defensive play I've ever seen in the playoffs. I think he might have accidentally thrown some shade at his superstar in LeBron James here.
0: Well, this is interesting. So, so if we can take a step back uh, just quickly. His hand bent back at least 20 degrees further than any hand should have.
1: Well, he said that two of his fingers were numb. Yeah, well, there you go. It was so, that big a so I,
0: so I heard about it before I saw it, and people were talking about, oh, you know, he might have broken his wrist and blah, 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 and blah. And you're blah. probably
1: thinking, oh, yeah, sure. I, I, talk, did, talk, I, did, up,
0: yeah. I did. I did. Th- I thought it was hi- hyperbole. I thought, you know, yeah, people are, you know, maybe making it a bit bigger than what it is. And I'll also be honest, when I saw it, so I, I, I didn't see it live per se, but when I watched the end of the game, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched the fourth and overtime, When I saw the play kind of live, inverted commas, I thought, oh, that's a fucking good block. But, you know. And then I saw the replay, yeah, and I'm like, holy shit. When you you see it from Slam Cam, that's when it's like... like That was an amazing block. Amazing. And it's got us thinking about some of the best... Well, I was thinking of some of the best blocks, but you've done a bit of research on the best defensive plays based on magic.
1: Yeah, I had a bit of a think, because he used the word defensive play. So, for me, that comes down to... I mean, blocks and steals. I probably could have gone further and looked at some amazing charges, like that one that you know was called in the Australia-Spain oh, bron- bronze, and bronze medal game. Oh, or, or was it the one that wasn't called, I should yeah, say. Yeah, no, that was a shooting foul. Yeah. Yeah, you had to go there. I had to, sorry. Not, um, not, not salty or bitter about no, that. No, really.
0: no. Well, there is a lot of Olympic kind of reflections going on at the yeah. moment, and we'll get to this week in sport as well. True.
1: But. So I've done my top five. Now... For me, number one is obvious. LeBron's block on Andre Iguodala in the, the twenty sixteen. Yeah, Situ- turn the series. Situationally, it's the biggest defensive play coming out of nowhere to erase a layup, which ultimately led to Kyrie Irving's three, which was pretty much the game winner in in that sort of in that situation. Yep. So,
0: and again, they came from three one down as well. Exactly. So
1: yep. situationally and Huge. and the play itself combined, that is yep. number one.
0: Yeah.
1: Number two, Larry Bird's steal from Isaiah. Torison. Now there's Pettison. a
0: steal by Bird.
1: Probably one of the most iconic calls of all time. The most
0: in American sports.
1: It's it's up there with the, maybe the Jordan change of hands against LA 91. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, you're right. No, it's, maybe it's, I'm going overboard. No, no, I think you're, it's top two it, or three. It's right, right, right up there, yeah. Yeah. Now, again, context. Conference finals, it's two all, Boston lead by a point. All Isaiah Thomas has to do is get the ball inbounds, and Detroit goes home up 3-2. Bird just comes out of nowhere, though. It was almost like. It's, a gr- he, it's incredible. It's like he teleported. Now, he's yeah. not a quick guy either, No, no. But it was that first step. And so not only does he steal the ball, but then has the presence of mind to then set up Dennis Johnson for the game winning layup. I mean, the Lakers ultimately beat the Celtics 4 2 in the finals, but they don't get there without that play. Oh, no, team. of
0: course. Yeah, yeah. So that's
1: huge. I think Bam's block on Tatum probably sits at number three for me.
0: Yeah, it's high
1: up. I mean, you can throw context out of it in the fact that it was a game one. But in isolation, that is one of the most amazing blocks you'll see.
0: Can I throw something out? I think we can't really truly know its importance in history until the playoffs are done.
1: It's a good point, actually.
0: If they go on to win the championship.
1: Yeah, well, that's, you know what that's I mean? true. You never know what's going if to happen. If they
0: go on to lose the series. Yeah. Either way, though. Incredible.
1: It's, it's utterly incredible. Yes. Yeah. Now, number four, we go back to 1965. So John Havlicek steal from Hal Greer. So game seven of the 65 Eastern Division Finals. That's how far back it was. So Boston leads Philly by a point. Now, this was absolutely crazy. So there's five seconds left. The Celtics had the ball. Bill Russell, again, all he had to do was get the ball inbounds, and they probably win the game easy. He tries to throw this long pass down court and actually hit one of the guide wires on the backboard. Oh, dear. So it's out of bounds. Yep. Now, Hal Greer,
0: without the clock running,
1: well, exactly, without the clock running at all. Yep. So, so Hal Greer gets the ball, decides to pass to Chet Walker. He was looking to pass to Bill Chamberlain, which would be the obvious choice, but unfortunately, he was being guarded very heavily by Bill Russell of the ball of people, of course, so. yeah, yep. But uh, Havlicek was really smart about this because obviously he knows there's a five count, so he's counting in his head, and when he gets to four, he knows that Greer has to throw this ball. So when it got to four, that's when he started making his move. He gets the steal, passes it to Sam Jones, and they run out of the clock. And then ultimately, the Celtics go on and win the championship in five. So that's massive. Mm. And then the fifth one for me, one that you're probably not going to like reminiscing about, even though you did win the series, the Amari Stoudemire block on Tim Duncan. Yeah, well, we won the series. But this is one of the most forgotten plays in playoff history for me. Game- well, Amari's
0: like peak was forgotten. He was one yep. of the best players in the league for a couple of
1: years yep. there. He would have been probably top three or four for yeah. me. But yeah, for people that haven't seen this one, the, the Suns are up three. There's 40 seconds to go. Tim Duncan goes up for what looks like an uncontested dunk and Stoddermeyer comes out of nowhere and his hand is pretty much 90 degrees with his arm. It's back that far. It's right inside the cylinder and he throws this thing back. It's, it's absolutely insane. So... That but was a little
0: lower on the list because we won the series in the end. And because
1: it was round one. Mm. So so that was kind of my five. Yeah,
0: I've got one you've missed and I've got another funny one. Which one do you want first? Go the funny one first. Well, I have to mention the great block from behind Manu Ginobili on James Harden a few years ago.
1: Yes, yeah, so the, the James Harden flail after that block. Is oh, was just one hilarious. of his
0: typical disappearing acts in the playoffs. He just played absolutely appallingly in that final game. But the one I think you're missing, mate... Tayshon Prince chasing down Reggie Miller in what was pretty much a series turning uh, block.
1: Oh shit! How did I forget that one?
0: So from memory, I, I actually I, I remember quite distinctively watching it in just the room, <laughs> a couple of rooms down. Reggie actually slowed down almost to a complete stop. He thought he was that wide open. He was, and Tayshon just came from nowhere, smashed it off the backboard, top seeded. Pacers lose and and uh, shit. That
1: was the conference finals. Detroit. Wasn't
0: it? Yep. Detroit go into the finals.
1: Wow. How did I forget that? Now I
0: can't remember which game it was. Did you?
1: Yeah, I think that was actually Game Six where they clinched the series final. End, well, I it
0: think. was a six-game series, so you might be right. Um, but how's this? Like, it was incredibly low-scoring. This was a bit of a dearth of scoring back then. Five scores under seventy, and that's both teams' uh, winner and the loser in whatever respective game, and only three over eighty. Oof. So
1: got to love the the early 2000s the, the early 2000s and late 90s nba yes the grind so i guess we can move on to game 2 and uh, i love that stat that you mentioned about them being 156 and 1 you also didn't mention, though, that 92 straight they had before that as well. So this is, yeah, this is a huge choke.
0: Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I guess they we, came back from 17. It's another choke. Right. I wasn't to, thinking of no, this one. I was to. thinking of Clippers. And we them. have to. That has yeah. to be
1: included as a choke. Yeah. So, yeah, with Miami down big, that third quarter that you mentioned of Bam out of Byers, it was just pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. That's all they did. And Bam was just getting into the into the paint and whatever Miami wanted, they got. Whether it's a little floater or a dunk for Adebayo or an easy jumper for Dragic, it was just so simple for them.
0: And you mentioned the zone before, but the the uh, Celtics have really struggled with, with Miami's zone.
1: Yeah, they haven't shot the three particularly well. Um, and this is one of the things I'll talk about in Game 3, but... In game one, they, they shot 42 three-pointers and they've started to sort of gradually shoot less because they're shooting a bad percentage. So that, this is an adjustment that the Celtics have made. But.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that because I remember one of the commentators, I can't remember who it was, but they said that the mid-range game all of a sudden comes back in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it's not sexy in the regular season, but then all of a sudden guys start shooting, you know, the mid-range jumper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it might have been Chris Webber. I can't remember who it
1: was. but Maybe it's just that the teams that shoot it well are the ones that are left. Yeah, well, maybe. Could, and Chris could... Webber did love a good mid-range Oh, job. he's, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now, just to finish off game two as well, we probably should address the screaming match.
0: Well, I've got a great stat as well. Is it about screaming matches? It's not. The screaming match is more important than the stat. So I'll give you the stat first. Yeah. Jay Crowder's three-pointer with five minutes 43 in the third was the 33,333rd three in NBA playoff history. (laughs) There's a lot of threes. (laughs)
1: Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right.
0: So after the game, the Celtics are now down 0-2. Apparently there was a bit of a brouhaha going on and apparently even furniture was thrown. Yep. And it's been reported that Marcus Smart was kind of the guy. But I've actually heard since that, no, Marcus wasn't the only guy. There was a lot of yelling going on by lots of blokes. And apparently at one stage, Marcus actually left to go to the Dunny. He did. And it continued afterwards. So, but sort of, so, he, he
1: continued when he went well, to the Dunny yeah, oh, as yeah, well. But, yeah, yeah. But what I would say is, I mean, he, it sounds like Marcus Smart was maybe the, the guy who started all of this. Which is fair enough. He's an incredibly passionate guy. You can see it in the way that he plays the game. Well, and
0: he's a good player to have in the playoffs. He is. He's like Jimmy Butler. Not as skilled as Jimmy Butler, but he's one of those kind of blokes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's... And again, bringing Jimmy Butler back into this, there's obviously guys in the league who can get away with doing this and it gives the team a boost. I feel like Jimmy Butler's maybe one of them. Dwayne Wade would probably be one of them. He, he doesn't really do it often, but when he does, you listen. Chris Paul's, Chris Paul's probably another an one. obvious yeah. ones, yep. So... I guess it can also work, though, when you're talking about someone like Smart, who's maybe not as supremely talented, but he is Leads, one, of, by example. one of these heart and soul guys who is always the first guy stepping in to take a charge, or diving on a loose ball, or...
0: Sticking up for his teammate.
1: Whatever it happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, He'll go yeah. into bat against guys that are nearly twice his size. So yep. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how sometimes this can galvanize a team, though, and it looks like it really did in Game 3.
0: Well, that's right. They won. So after uh, Michael Porter Jr. kind of said no one's getting enough touches in the Denver series, they still managed to overcome a crazy margin. And after this incident, Boston's managed to come out and win. So yeah. thank God we have a series.
1: Well, the thing is, with Game 3, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, Boston got to the rim. they were They were playing harder. They were driving harder. They weren't shooting three. So as I said before, 42 three-pointers in Game 1. It dropped to 28 in Game 2, only 26 in Game 3. And that is the key to victory for Boston. If they keep taking it to the basket, putting pressure on a lot of the guys, I think a lot of the... You've got to get Bam in foul trouble. Yeah, well, a lot of the Miami players were in foul trouble early, and and that's what happened. Bam had to go to the bench, which brings in undersized and and underplayed guys. I'm amazed that Myers Leonard isn't playing in this series.
0: Yeah, I, I think I saw him in street clothes in game one. He, I, I don't think he was even suited up, was okay. he?
1: Okay. Well, he was suited up in game three, but yeah, he's just... Yeah, become I, might, the, I mean, I
0: might be wrong. He might have just been in warm-ups that look like street clothes,
1: but... He's just become okay. a real a real cheerleader. But but this is the thing, though. If you look at what that does, though, in terms of them getting into the paint, they won the paint 60-36 to 36 in game three. Mm. That is a huge, huge discrepancy. Mm. So, yeah, they're being more aggressive on defense. had 19 points off turnovers. They had this string of three consecutive fast break dunks early in the third quarter we have a series. Oh, yeah. This is what I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. And I know you love useless stats. This was also the 12th straight road victory in games involving the Celtics. Yeah,
0: right. Well, and in the bubble, the road team is I think 39 and 32. So the road team's won more games than the home team. But again, that's completely useless.
1: Well, I can actually take that a step further. The record for percentage, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was 14 and 13 back in the seven, in one of the seven. I think it was like 76 or something. Oh yeah. So this is on track to break that record obviously it will have an asterisk next to it because of the fact that it's all played in the same arena but so it's, the,
0: yeah um if i may kind of well actually i'll tell a silly stat as well while we're kind of dueling banjos. go for it <laughs> so andrea guzala who played in zero conference finals games in his first 10 seasons has now played in 22 in the last five or since 2015 wow so that's pretty good but the thing that really sticks out to me, and like I said before, it kind of is, is not surprising given the fact they're 10-2 and two in the playoffs, is um, Miami's incredibly good chemistry. Just as Denver has very good chemistry, and that probably got them over the line in the Clippers, I think Miami's chemistry is magnificent. So you and I watched, um, was it game four of the Milwaukee series after we recorded last week? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just seem to gel so well together. And the other thing that I've realized from this series or from from the playoffs, Tyler Hero is a great passer. Mm. So I knew he was fearless. I knew he was a good three-point shooter. I knew he was athletic. But he threw a beautiful bounce pass late in in game one, which helped them win. And he threw a beautiful no-looker in that Milwaukee game we watched too. So yeah, Miami, hopefully it's a series. But, you know, Miami are looking good. So quickly with the NBA, uh, the headlines that we normally do at the top. Giannis won his second MVP and James acknowledged being pissed off at receiving just 16 first-place votes. Giannis, on the other hand, had 85 from a panel of global sports writers and broadcasters.
1: I don't really have a problem with this one. I think this is the first award I've actually kind of agreed with. He well, was, they
0: were, before the bubble, they were on pace to you know, win 67 games.
1: He's or, the best player on the best team. Yeah. That, for me, is is a huge thing. He yep. led the league in real plus-minus, meaning that his impact on the fate of his team was better than anyone out there. And for me, all of the other candidates had better backup. If you look at LeBron James and Anthony Davis, their second best player on the team, whoever that would have been, is probably a top five player in the team. In fact, is based on the yeah. NBA teams. Yep. James Harden's second player, I mean, okay, Russell Westbrook's a little bit erratic, but he's still a better player than Chris Middleton and he's an elite player. So, you know, he has, yeah, you've got to give that to, to Giannis just purely because of that and, and because of how consistently yeah, good he Yeah, I think that's
0: fair. I think that's fair.
1: Although I will say this something interesting as well in terms of random stats. It's the fourth time LeBron's been runner-up for MVP. Good for first all-time, tied with Larry Bird and Jerry West. Well, there you go. So Very good. There you go. I think
0: the Nuggets probably wish that it was announced maybe a little earlier. <laughs> yeah. Now, the All-NBA teams, now, luckily, I don't think these are too controversial because we've still got a hell of a lot to cover. Uh, the first team was Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, James Harden, um, Anthony Davis, and Luka
1: Doncic. No real arguments from me. The 16th All-NBA team for LeBron breaking a tie with Kareem, Kobe, and Tim Duncan. And it's also the, the 13th time he's been on the first team, which is a record, two ahead of Kobe and Carmelo.
0: And Doncic making it in his second season, which is a very, very impressive accomplishment because LeBron didn't get his first until his third season. Kobe would have been even later than that, I think, because he yeah. still came out of high school. Tim Duncan in his first season, though, so, you know,
1: yeah. He was pretty decent. He
0: was special. Uh, the second team... Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, and Pascal Siakam.
1: My only real query here is... Well, maybe
0: I'll read third, and then we can... Because I know what you're about to say.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Go for it.
0: Uh, The third team, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, and Russell Westbrook.
1: Okay, so I would probably swap Tatum for Siakam. I understand that Siakam probably gets the nod for the record Toronto had after losing Kawhi Leonard, but... Tatum was more efficient. He had very similar numbers, but his his PER was much higher than Pascal Siakam's. He had more win shares for Boston as well than Siakam did for Toronto. So you could argue that he was more important to that team. Look, it's a tough call. It's not a howler, but no. I can
0: see your point. Yeah, And I think maybe they use the logic of, of the winners. So Toronto finish higher. So mm. maybe they use that logic.
1: Yeah. Chris Paul making it actually marks the 11th straight season. The OKC's had an All-NBA player as well. That's the longest current streak in the league. Yeah,
0: very nice. Very mm. nice.
1: And then maybe on the third team, there's a couple as well. I'm not sure about Rudy Gobert ahead of Joel Embiid. He probably will feel quite hard done by there.
0: Embiid always misses a lot of games.
1: But he had he averaged 23 and 11.6. Yeah. Gobert had 15 and 13. Yeah. So, look, Rudy's obviously a much better defender. He has more win shares, but I, I still think Embiid needs to be in that third team. Yeah.
0: He touches and a good microphone. He
1: does. Yeah. He does.
0: Yeah.
1: And look, I know you kind of have to have Russell Westbrook in there, but I kind of feel like Donovan Mitchell may have had a better season than him. Westbrook just obviously fills the stats. It's something that I've realized since he left OKC. Yep. But I stats mean, aren't everything. But that's we probably, do love them. Yeah, but I mean, that's because aside from him and Harden, most of Houston are so passive. So, mm.
0: yeah. Uh, then finally, the draft is scheduled for November. We'll talk about that more as that approaches, and there's uh, a little bit less on the sporting plate. I believe you have a very little thing for the NBL once we finish basketball.
1: Yeah, just a little bit of an update on the Tasmanian team. So oh, yes. we're down to three. The Tridents, the Pride, and the Jack Jumpers. Go the Jack Jumpers. Can they just put us out of our misery and just announce that they'll be called the Pride? And then Hobart can win the championship and have themselves a decent Pride Parade. <laughs> uh. And now week in sport history.
0: September 15, 2000, the Sydney Olympics, the greatest of all time, we would say, officially opens with Andrew Gaze, the flag bearer in his fifth and final Olympic Games.
1: On the 17th of September 1920, the National Football League is born in Canton, Ohio. Twelve teams pay a massive $100 each to join the American Professional Football Association, which was later renamed the NFL in 1922.
0: It's a lot of money back then. September 18, 1993, trailing 3-2 with two outs in the ninth. A timeout is called prior to Mike Stanley's pop fly. Getting a second chance, the Yankees then rallying to beat the Red Sox 4-3. Oh
1: dear. On the 19th of September 1988, American diver Greg Leganus smashes his head on a diving board during a three-meter springboard preliminary at the Seoul Olympics. He then recovers to qualify for the final, which he wins the following day.
0: No concussion protocol there. September 20, 1973, Billie Jean King beats Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes tennis match. Riggs was 55 at the time. So, a 29-year-old King would have a fair chance at beating him. Of course, this has been the subject of movies and books and all sorts.
1: It has indeed. Steve Carell played it beautifully. Indeed, yes, yeah. Um, Actually, can't remember who played Billie Jean King. Oh, dear. Emma Stone. That sounds about right, actually. Yeah, I think it might have been. And on the 21st of September 1969, New York Jets Steve O'Neill punts a ridiculous 98 yards against Denver Broncos, still the all-time record.
0: That, That is nuts.
1: Must have been in a hurricane or something.
0: I, I'd have to just about see the footage to believe it. It's. it's I, there were some punts today that would barely travel twenty yards.
1: Mm, five yards uh, clear of the record, the second place as well. So this week in sport history.
0: Oh, gee, Shuie, uh, we, we, we did we get excited about that basketball, don't we? A little, well, a sm- little bit overtime, we we'll <laughs> smash through the football codes a little bit here. Now I have to mention Leeds had a win since being uh, promoted again, four three over Fulham. Yay. The NRL's been rocked by a $130 million setback as a quarter of its staff have to be cut due to COVID financial struggles. A couple of interesting stories in the NFL.
1: How's your uh, fantasy team going?
0: Well, uh, I won week one by having the most points in the comp and I think I'm going to have the least points in week two. So this is the joys of fantasy uh, sports. Oh dear. But a couple of interesting stories there. So, geez, Monday Night Football, it never disappoints. There always seems to be crazy stories almost every week, no matter who's playing, no matter what are the circumstances. So Stephen Gostkowski missed... Three field goals on a point after touchdown. One wide left, one wide right. A block and a shanked extra point. And then, of course, kick the game winner at the end. And the odds of him doing so... I saw it on SportsCenter. I, don't, I didn't write it down, unfortunately. But the odds of him doing it after missing four in a row were like... or something. So that was quite remarkable and and a good first up win there for the Titans. The, The Broncos completely botched their time management with timeouts and everything. But anyway, we won't get into that. Some Colin Kaepernick stuff. Now, for those that don't know, for many, Colin Kaepernick is the guy that got blackballed after kneeling, but he was actually an exceptional football player. So in the modern era of quarterbacks that run, there was Michael Vick. And then before blokes like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, even Cam Newton, they came around the same time, there was Colin Kaepernick. In his first career postseason game, Colin had 263 yards passing with two touchdowns, okay yes, one interception, but also 181 rushing yards, so... 444 all-purpose, breaking Michael Vick's record for quarterback rushing. That's his. That's a playoff game. Then he played really well in the Super Bowl as well, which was a great, uh, a great game. So he was a very good player. So he's he's been he's clearly been blackballed not because of skill, but because of his protests uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement. So there's a couple of interesting stories there. So one, Nike created um, the Icon Jersey 2.0, which was to kind of commemorate his stance and his, um, his protest that sold out in less than a minute, (laughs) which is nuts.
1: No surprise there.
0: Um, But then on the other hand, the NFL have been using footage of him and Eric Reid kneeling and and stuff in their um, anti-racism campaigns. And it's just, you know, it's not a good look for a league that did bugger all to try and keep him in it. When, as I mentioned, he was a bloody good player. Anyway, we don't have time to go um, any much more into that. Um, a couple of really quick AFL news before we uh, rush through round 18. So Sean Smith's got a massive payout uh, from MLC, $1.4 million. $1.4 million. Um, as a result of uh, mental health issues and and mental capacity after sustaining head injuries in his AFL career during the 1980s and 90s, of course, most known for that mark of the century,
1: or mark of all time yeah, against Brisbane, yeah. many
0: would say uh, the Kangas of Cold Eleven, including Magic Door. Uh, Zach Williams has reportedly requested a trade from Carlton, so there'll be more news for that as well. And look, we won't go into the Gary Gary Ablett tinfoil hat stuff.
1: And we'll also probably talk about the Harley Battle COVID breach next week as well.
0: Yeah, and there were some NRL COVID breaches too. In fairness, it was quite an exciting final round, round 18. Uh, The finals uh, set up wasn't even set in stone until the very final game this evening between Port and and Collingwood. Uh, you would have been barracking for three teams uh, this week, Stewie. Mm. We'll start with your team. Yeah,
1: and only one of them
0: won. Yeah, so, and it was your team. So the West Coast, 7 7 defeated North 4 10, 34 It's got to be said that North kept the Eagles in the game in an arm wrestle thanks to Wayward shooting at goal. The Eagles were scoreless at quarter time, but Oscar Allen's key... Late two goals in quick succession really sealed it for the uh, Eagles there.
1: Ugh, what a horrible game to start the last round. Conditions for this match were shit house, Not conducive to football at all. Or oh, grand finals. Well, oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, obviously a rough start going scoreless in the first quarter. Only the third time in club history and the first time since round 21 of 1998. Shorten quarters. I'm st- well, I am yeah. I have to say it. <laughs> yeah, every definitely- Every time. But I'm honestly not entirely convinced that Jack Darling's first goal didn't clip the post anyway. I mean, we'll take a score review going our way for once, but you know, it's not, mm. it wasn't great. My questions though, out of this, how are you feeling about a night grand final in Brisbane, knowing oh. that this is the sort of shit that can get the ditched? minute they
0: the minute they called it, I thought it was a bad idea.
1: Mm. I think this is going to be the worst grand final of all time. Yeah,
0: well, there'll be shortened quarters. There'll be dewy, you know, difficult conditions with a slippery ball. It'll probably be really hot.
1: It's going to be a slog.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. It's very unlikely it will be pretty.
1: And the other question to come out of this, with West Coast hosting a final in Perth next week, a lot of Eastern staters have called the fact that the Eagles can home quarantine while their opponents have to quarantine in a hotel unfair. What are your thoughts? Um,
0: What's been fair about 2020? Good question. That's that's thought number one, mm-hmm. and thought number two: you finish higher on the ladder, you will get benefits from it generally. So you know, well, unless you're the Saints.
1: Take that, Caro.
0: There's rumours that they're. Uh, oh, they getting
1: screwed over. They're getting screwed, they're getting screwed yeah. by
0: being sent to to uh, Adelaide. Adelaide. But anyway, we'll we'll get to that next week. Yep. Um. I just. Wanted, yeah. Look, it's not ideal, but they finish it. higher on the ladder, yep. so they'll benefit from it.
1: Take that, Collingwood. Mm. Um, I just want to finish this game with a a real interesting thought, though. It it had been 723 days between the 2018 grand final and this game, so not even two years. For this game, the Eagles finished with only eight of those 22 players from grand final day on the pitch. Wow. Because with the injury that that happened basically to Josh Kennedy Mm. and all the other injuries going on, the suspension to Willy Rioli... Daniel Venables has ongoing concussion issues, so on and so forth. Well, Scott Lysette went to Port Adelaide. So, yeah, only eight players on the park. I just thought that really sums up yeah, how yeah. bad our injuries are. Well, on. and
0: turnover as well, you know. Jeez, yep. it, 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 it can be an unrelenting game.
1: Yep.
0: GWS were absolutely insipid with a final spot on the line. Three goals, 12-30 to St Kilda's 12-10-82. The Saints into the finals for the first time since 2011.
1: Yeah, an absolute pathetic whimper from oh, the Giants uh, after, after a really average season. Yeah. So I'm so disappointed that I picked them to win it. I really am. But uh, Well, no. given their
0: list, you could be forgiven for picking them. But well, the, the curse continues for teams really that, that lose big grand finals. I believe you have a stat on I that. I
1: do, indeed. So since 2000, there have been eight grand finals that teams have lost by 45 points or more, including the Giants last season. From those eight grand finals, five of those teams that lost didn't even make the finals the next season. Mm. The best finish out of any of those eight was Sydney, finishing fifth in 2015 after Hawthorne smashed them the year before. There so, you go. Um, Yeah, 47-4 to four in the second half. It's just not good enough. It really isn't. On the plus side, though, great to see Dan Hannabury play for the first time since Round 5, and he actually had a meaningful role in the game, so he could potentially be useful. A little tune-up
0: the- before the finals. Yeah, he
1: could be useful. For the Giants, though, my question is this. Zach Williams is leaving. Jeremy Cameron could be next. Is the Giants' window closed?
0: Well, the other interesting thing is they just re-signed Leon Cameron, so now they can't sack him. They kind of back themselves into a corner on him, and maybe it's time for a new voice, but I don't think they can sack him. Mm. So, yeah, look, GWS, very, very interesting. Well, I think we might uh, pay that a bit more over the coming weeks.
1: Ooh, one last little stat. Lockie Whitfield had a triple-double. 16 kicks, <laughs> 12 handballs, and 13 marks.
0: <laughs> uh um, in another game with finals implications, the Demons did what they needed to in order to keep their finals hope alive, albeit after getting a bit of a scare thinking they probably had it wrapped up after kicking five goals to none in the second. Melbourne, 10-8-68, defeating Essendon 7-7-49. I've
1: got to have much to say on this, but so typical of Melbourne's season, though. They... They looked okay for a good portion of the game and then the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing started again and then Essendon came back into the game. Really interesting to see Woosher up to his usual tricks, though, in his last game. He played Michael Hurley and James Stewart at both ends of the ground. Oh, yeah, okay. I could not imagine Josh Kennedy sitting in the back line at no, any stage. No. Where, but
0: there are a lot of blokes that do pitch hit at both ends of the field, like Harry Taylor, for example. But yes, you're right. There are some blokes that never would. It's
1: just, yeah. Yeah, it's just weird to me.
0: Yeah. And look, Melbourne have no one to blame but themselves. Most of their losses in the last month have been, or last month and a half, have been to teams, you know, not in the eight. So really, Melbourne...
1: They'd probably look at the Sydney game and say... Sydney, Frio... Frio were playing good footy, but... Yeah, yeah, no, Frio have been very competitive. They should never have lost to the Swans.
0: Yeah, yep. Richmond, 12 goals, five seventy-seven defeated Adelaide, 4 goals, nine thirty-three. The Tigers, 9 goals to 2 after quarter time, guaranteed the Crows' first wooden spoon in club history after they showed some signs of life late in the season.
1: Yeah, the Crows didn't half give the rest of the league a bit of belief in that first quarter before the Tigers' class shone through. I actually forgot that Tom Lynch wasn't playing. They were that good towards the back end of this game. 12 turnovers from Dustin Martin, though. Hopefully he's that wayward in the finals. Mm. That would be great. Yeah, Quick shout-out to Tex Walker, who's now the Adelaide Crows' all-time leader in goals kick, going past Tony Modra with 4.41, albeit from 85 more games.
0: You have to wonder how many more he'll play with them, too. It's got to be said. But a nice little stat to have at the end of your career. My prediction? Zero. Zero, po- quite possibly.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Carlton put up a gallant effort against the team that uh, could have finished top at that stage in Cade Simpson's 342nd and final game of his AFL career. Brisbane, 11 goals, 12, 78, defeating the Blues, 10 goals, 161.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually see this game, unfortunately. So happy retirement to Cade Simpson, the biggest loser of all time.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's not a nice title to have. But. No. Uh, but I, I saw a decent amount of the game here and there, and thought, yeah, it was their accuracy was excellent, and that's what kept them in the game, let's face it.
1: And on the other side, though, another inaccurate game from Brisbane. Yep. More points than goals. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. When will it cost them? Well, they've got Richmond in, in week one. So next week then. Yeah. Well, not next week, but next after game. After the bye, yeah. Yep. Could be. Yeah.
1: Could be. Hawthorne back in the winner's circle after a pretty dismal second half of the season. 17 goals, 6-108, defeating the Gold Coast, 8 goals, 9-57.
0: Yeah, season without much joy for the Hawks finished with a bit of a smile, particularly for the departing Paul Puapolo, who kicked three goals, and Ben Stratton, who kicked just the second of his career. <laughs> so that was a nice little thing. The uh, For the Gold Coast Suns, the only joy was Jai Farrar joining the first goal from first kick club after a lovely snap. And look, the Gold Coast, once Rao got injured, they probably wanted to keep losing so they'd have a high draft pick. But they've, they've done, you know, they've I think the season is still a win for the Gold Coast
1: Suns. Mm, definitely. I think they will probably look at the, the first three or four games of the season and say that's what we have to look forward to next year. Yep, exactly. With presumably another top four or five draft pick on there as well. So it yep. could be very, very scary. The final game of the season for the Sydney Swans, it was a very tight one. It was a very unusual one. Everyone expecting the Swans to get blown off the park, but the Geelong Cats look a little bit shaky, winning ten goals 969 to Sydney's 9-963.
0: Yeah, it's a funny old game, wasn't it? The teams combined for nine goals in the first quarter, which I think was the most for any game this season, and then none in the second. A late one-handed smother by Blixar saved what might have been a game tying score very late by James Robottom, so it could have been a draw. You know, It would have been interesting to see how it unfolded had he not done that.
1: It was unusual that they didn't show the behind the goals of that because it would have been nice to see how it came off the boot. Oh,
0: yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, actually. But
1: yeah. it's, it was really interesting. Had it not been for a purple patch from Dangerfield in the fourth quarter, I think he had three marks and a few shots on goal all within the space of a few minutes. We could very easily be talking about a Swans win here. And I, I'll tell you what, after a poor showing against Richmond... I would have actually liked to have played Geelong in the first week of the finals. I think they're beatable.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, look, it's wide open. It's completely wide open, definitely. And look, the Swans have been competitive and then kind of often failed in the last quarter or so. So I guess we're just competitive the whole game this week. As a fan who was wanting us to compete but not win because I wanted that draft pick, that was almost the ideal outcome for the Swans, I've got to say. We only lost by a goal. We showed a good heart and good fight. But we did still get the loss, and so we still get that third pick.
1: Wouldn't it have been better, though, if Rowbottom got the kick away and it just scraped the inside of the post?
0: Well, yeah, maybe.
1: Maybe. Nah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and in the game that sewed up the final spot in the top eight, the Western Bulldogs, 11 goals, 8-74, defeated Fremantle, 6 goals, eight forty four.
0: 44 Lockie Hunter was absolutely magnificent in this one for the Dogs, apart from in front of goal at times. And they would have been really happy, but there were a couple of uh, injuries that would really make them, you know, think that that uh, they might be one and done. Because key players Aaron Norton and Mitch Wallace are back and a forward, both could be out for a while.
1: Yeah, the Norton one was really weird, real, really, very innocuous. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of running past Sean Darcy, and it looked like he maybe just clipped his shoulder, but it looks like he's got a broken cheekbone. So yeah, very, very unusual. And in the last game tonight, which I missed because I was driving home from work and you were lucky enough to catch a bit of. Yep. Port Adelaide sewed up top spot with a 9 goals 7-61 win over Collingwood, 7 goals 3-45. Collingwood heading west for the first week of the finals. That's
0: right. So Port finished top, Adelaide bottom. So that's an interesting little thing yeah. with the South Australian teams bookending the letter. Collingwood's accuracy kept them in the game, really. So, I uh, look, I listened to a lot of the first half on the radio on my drive home and then kind of kept an eye on it um, around dinner in the second half. The other big thing, of course, and I've kind of mentioned this a few times throughout the season, but Scotty Pendlebury did finally break Tony Shaw's all-time games record for Collingwood. But as you say, that's right. Collingwood finished eighth, meaning that they will play the Eagles fifth.
1: In a rematch of the Round 10 Clash in 1987.
0: <laughs> that's right. Did you actually look that up?
1: Yes. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, as we've said We've got a week off next week, as far as the games are concerned. So we'll do uh, a lot more. You know, we'll give we'll pay the AFL a lot more attention in the bye week next week, heading into the finals.
1: For the record, we beat Collingwood by fifty-seven in that game. Oh, very good. Nineteen goals, twenty-three to eleven goals, fourteen.
0: Well, you'll hope for the same result uh, next week. So, at risk of using the phrase bookends yet again, I said we'd bookend this week with some choke uh, performances from teams. The final game of the ODI series between Australia and England over there in England, the Poms made seven for 302 in the opening dig. Johnny Bairstow had 112 off 126. The tail wagged once again with Sam Billings, uh, 57, Chris Wokes, 53. And it was, look, it's a great total. The pick of the bowlers, Mitchell Stark, three for 74 off his 10 and Zampa three for 51 off his 10 after I rubbished him last week. Now, when I went to bed, it was about one thirty. we were 5 for 70, I thought, the game is definitely done and dusted. But no, the Poms managed to choke it away, thanks to 106 off 114 for Alex Carey, after people were calling for his head, and 108 off 90 for the big show, Glenn Maxwell. So a superb win there for the Aussies.
1: Well, and, it's uh, an even bigger choke when you consider that Carey was out on nine. Off oh, a, off a no ball. Off a no ball. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. even bigger choke. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mitch Stark looked amazing. He was on, well, after two balls, he was on track for 10 for none off 10 balls. (laughs) After taking two absolute beauties. No, this was an absolute miracle. Uh, And we still needed 10 off the final over, I think. We did. Yeah. And it took Mitch Stark, actually, to do it with a a lovely six and a four. But, yeah, geez, I tell you what, as you say, the, the choke that should never have happened. I mean, Alex Carey should have been out for nine. We would have been six for 87, probably all out 110 but it cost them another 198 runs from there on as part of a 212-run stand. Even once Kerry and Maxwell were out, though, yeah. As, as you said, it was a 6 and a 4 from Stark that kind of got them home. I can't believe they went with deal Rashid instead of Mark Wood for that final over, though. Because mm. the whole point of that death bowling is you're changing the pace. You can't really change the pace when that much spinner, when yeah. you're a spinner. Yeah. It's, it's generally yeah. And slow. Stark,
0: love, you know, hit him straight over his head.
1: Yep. Now... I don't think we really need to say too much more about that. It was an amazing victory. But from there, we need to talk about the man in the hazmat suit. Oh, yes. Which I, I, alluded, which, which I alluded to in the opening. Yeah, oh, yes. Go on. Now, the IPL's just starting in the UAE, a country with more than 80,000 cases of coronavirus coming through, which resulted in Steve Smith, Andrew Tai, Jofra Archer, and Tom Curran having to arrive to pick up their checks in hazmat suits. Wow, their checks... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. See T- 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 Smith picking up a two point four million. Oh million yeah, check big for yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I
0: thought you meant you meant figuratively. Figuratively, yeah. Right, okay.
1: It's certainly it's it's hard to turn down that sort of money for Smith. He would have lost a good amount through his suspension, but this is a really tough call. I mean, the more worrying thing for me is the concussions that he's now had as well. But yeah, I mean. Should he have considered maybe withdrawing from the IPL considering obviously all the cases over there, the concussions that he's had? I mean, his, his second concussion was from a throwdown. It wasn't even, yeah. from, wasn't even from a delivery from Archer the way the first one was. I, I'm really worried about Smith that he's going to have some serious issues coming up.
0: It's a fair point you make. And also, you know, there's been recent stories about people that have got COVID and the after effects, you know, six months later major cognitive issues, um, major lung issues. So it's not something you want to catch.
1: And you combine that with concussions. And I
0: heard on the radio today that they're getting um, 90,000 a day in India. Now, granted, this is in the UAE, but the UAE's been getting a lot of cases too. And it's obviously um, a
1: lot smaller than India as well. So Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and inter- interestingly, uh, in the IPL, it's already started um, uh, in controversy after the uh, Kings Eleven Punjab were called for a short run, which actually would have been a proper run for Chris Jordan.
1: Good thing so. the square leg umpire was standing yes. not at square leg. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. there we go. It's a joke.
0: Well, Stree, another huge, huge week. What are you out for?
1: Well, with no footy next week, uh, I guess it's all about the NBA. So for me, it's got to be Game 4 of Miami and Boston. It seems like Boston's maybe found a little bit of a, a way through Miami's armor, so it's going to be great to see if they can continue that in Game Four, or will Playoff Jimmy push them right to the brink? Mm. How about yourself?
0: Oh, look, obviously conference finals are on, but I'll be you know I'll pick something different with the uh, footy finals a week away as well. I'm going to say Monday night football: Kansas City Chiefs versus Baltimore Ravens. They're my pick for this season's uh, AFC Championship game. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, what more could you want?
1: Ah, rematch of round seven of the 1999 season. <laughs> That's can, right. Can Baltimore avenge their 35-8 to 8 loss to the Chiefs 21 years ago?
0: Ah, oh, of course. Good, good pick up there.
1: And just quickly before we go, it looks like the Djokovic and Schwartzman final in the Italian Opens just started. Schwartzman already with a break. Two love in the first set. Come on, you little Argentinian champ. He's a giant killer.
0: Well, we did say jokers and chokers.
1: Ooh.
0: Until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stuart. We are the Sportblakes. Thank you.